the cloud just introduces an element like like that could go wrong. Like if you just download a file to your computer, unless your computer dies tonight, it's there. You can edit it and do what you want. Don't with it. jinx it, Steve. God damn it. Well, what are the odds? I, I guarantee it won't happen. <laughs> famous, famous last words. Great. Better buy a new computer. Austin 316 says I just whipped your ass. And what's it gonna do? It doesn't matter how you're doing. Woo! Wheel it, deal it. Living like jet flag. Can you dig it, dig it, sucker? Would you please shut the hell up? You don't know what hard times are, daddy. The cream will rise to the top. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. What am I doing, rubble? What up, what up? Welcome to episode 130 of Keep the Kayfabe. I'm Mike, sitting here with my boys, ready to talk some wrestling. Lots of good stuff happening. We have Forbidden Door coming up in AEW. Dark Side of the Ring is going full force. Great show if you're a big wrestling fan on the Vice Network. We had a tragedy in the wrestling world. One of the biggest names and characters to ever, uh, you know, grace the great business of wrestling. Uh, Passed away recently, we'll get into that in a little bit. But before we do, we need to talk to who we're talking to tonight. So, he's over in Glendale. He's the one that keeps it regal. His name is Steve Grobschmidt. What up, Grabby? Russia, number one. Iran, number one. USA, ah, Oh, nice. That was really good. Really bringing it tonight, too, with... um. You know, the spitting, by, yeah. I have to wipe off my computer screen, too, mm-hmm. because a uh, lot of lot of spit. That was very good, Steve. Good job. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you. Um, you know, like we're going to talk about, there's just a lot of exciting things going on in wrestling. I mean, we got Dark Side of the Ring airing, AEW, as we'll talk about, kind of on a high. Some really big shows coming up. You mentioned them. Let's also not forget Collision. I mean, man, what a good Mm. time. This is going to be the summer of wrestling. I know. I didn't want to bore the audience right off the bat with naming all the stuff before we get to the real talent that's right here on the show. Which is that? Well, we got to introduce one more guy. He's over in Ohio. He's the man with the golden pipes. Gary Williams. What up, Gary? Hurt. Heel. Hurt. Heel. Catching flies in his mouth. What? Tasting freedom while he dares. (laughs) That's the real words? Catching flies in his mouth? I did not know that. That is disturbing, actually. It is very disturbing. And then crawling back. Back to the top, top of the stairs, of the stairs. He won't what? see the really sun weird. again for years to come. No, they're talking about He's his career. Broken out of love. Her. Wow, He'll... dude, it sounds like these people were on mushrooms when they wrote Bray Wyatt's I'm tell- song. I'm telling you, someone from the Grateful Dead. Yeah, like a cat without a care. Roaming freely through the streets, you can find him amongst the pigeons in the, the square. Pigeons. In the oh, square. Wow. wow. Um, Must be a merry old England, eh? I, I gotta I gotta say, like, I miss him. And you know, we've kind of brought him up every once in a while in the group chat, just like wishing and praying that maybe he would accidentally show up in AEW. So that was why I brought him out today. 
Yeah, good job. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, very, and only he could really get that over too. I mean, people <laughs> fucking love that. Love it. Oh my god, he was so I mean, over it. slow. He would walk. I mean, it would take <sighs> like five minutes for the guy to get to the ring, but people were like hooked in. It, it's it, just the, this is yeah. really scary lyrics. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yet, yet the guy was so over. So well, was the yeah. song, the, the tragic tale of like these these characters that should have been can't miss, and no. somehow they missed. Yeah. Oh well, you're, WWE you're so... can't get out out of its own way. It happens. Mm-hmm. It does. It's a, they've been doing it for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. So I mean, you can't throw you know perfect games every week, but um, you know, it. Great job. Great job, Bray Wyatt. And maybe we will see him in AEW. But It'll be interesting. Degree, to some degree, though, like, when you think about, what you know, what's come of Bray Wyatt. I mean, House of Black is clearly a play on that mm-hmm. to some degree. And they are brilliant. And they're doing brilliant things. And so sometimes um, I was, <laughs> Steve will appreciate this. I just watched the Bee Gees documentary. Um, our, one mm-hmm. of our greatest, uh, one of our greatest uh, bands that Steve and I appreciate and they talked about the 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 death of disco and how they themselves started going on and how did they recreate themselves they basically started becoming song writers for other people and wrote a series of amazing songs that then huge ended hits up, yeah gave them uh, this resurgence and so in a lot of ways some of these characters that maybe didn't weren't used effectively in a lot of ways had, do those gimmicks do get reused in different ways mm-hmm. and to me, that might be the ultimate form of flattery. Absolutely. I mean, trailblazing. They're doing yeah. stuff before it's actually hip. And one guy that actually has done it the longest is the guy that we're going to you know, get talking about right up top here. He unfortunately passed away about a week ago now mm-hmm. uh, after recording uh, tonight on Thursday night. Um, it's the Iron Sheik. This is the guy that has pretty much lived the gimmick mm-hmm. his entire life life i mean i just watched his a and e biography episode just to you know right after he passed away just to get a better feel for the guy and the guy was really you know really accomplished and pretty much like it is a miracle how this guy is just so world renowned from where he came from to how he got to where he became famous what he had to go through to become famous Mm -hmm. the danger that he was in yeah. all the time. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of remarkable. Um, like I said, yeah, it's the Iron Sheik. He passed away. Uh, I know he was like the bodyguard for basically like the equivalent of Iran's president, the Shah, right? Like, right, right. Total, but he, like he has to be a killer. I mean, it's fucking <laughs> dangerous over there. So he's got to know what he's doing. Uh, he, I, I can't remember what happened, but the reason he came to America was to get away from something dangerous, I think. Right. He, I think, oh, yeah, like, uh, yeah, somebody I mean, was when somebody got assassinated, everybody in his circle could have been bad, but he like ran away to America and he only knew two words, and it was one guy's name that he wrestled in the yeah. Olympics from Minnesota. So he fucking flew to Minnesota, a guy from Iran, like two totally different environments, cultures. And this is before the internet, booking flights, hotels, no language. I mean, it is remarkable all he did was say this dude's name and they're like uh okay yeah we'll help you find this guy it was like something <laughs> rice 
something rice. I can't remember the guy's last name was rice, but then ended up training with him in Minnesota. I found that fascinating, but then just his career alone, you guys pretty much grew up with it more than me. Um, it will, I mean, you were old enough to like appreciate it mm-hmm. being uh 10 years elder than I. So what were your like top moments with the Sheik? I mean, I remember because I mean, we've talked about, you know, I'm of the age where my first exposure to the WWF was around this time that the Sheik was in there. And um, I don't have firsthand memories. I think what I first remember of him was more, I think, when he was starting like partner with Nikolai Volkov. Mm-hmm. There wasn't a lot of um, I mean, this was an era where the title didn't turn hands like it does nowadays. Mm-hmm. So you had Bob Backlund, which is the baby face. And then, uh, you know, he was a pretty prominent champion that like good old, you know, kind of a all American boy mm-hmm. kind of thing. And then you have this like, yeah, this Arabian like badass who comes in and like, I'm trying to remember, I think that's the match where it's like the towel got thrown in for Backlund, right? He was yeah, in the mm-hmm. camel clutch, the and, finisher of the sheet. And the back and the backstory of that is that Backlund refused to refuse to give up the title to anyone that wasn't like a real wrestler he yeah he was not gonna give it up to hogan and so um i think you know i think mcmahon made this decision to try to insert the iron cheek in yeah and uh, honestly it was a you know it was a really good brilliant move um i just wonder you know like the 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 legend of greg of Vern ganya offering the sheik ten thousand dollars to break his leg i mean i instead of giving him up the title i mean really fascinating but to the sheik's credit even in the biography he's like i work for a mcmahon you know he's like the man of his word he, he was an honorous word and yeah. he honored what he what he did which i bet you at the time was pretty because who knew who knew what was going to happen like mm-hmm. the awa was still super strong at that point so who knew what was going to happen but boy Big i mean gamble it was quite a gamble. But, but you know, he's like when you look up like textbook transitional champion, we all know that mm-hmm. term. He was the transitional champion. Didn't yeah. hold the title for long, but he was the gateway from Backlund to Hogan and the rest is history. And then he I mean he hung on there forever. It's like he was yeah. uh him and Volkov, very credible, fun tag team, perfect hit 80s heels, you know, the Russian Absolutely. and the Iranian. And then hilariously, only Vince McMahon would do that kind of thing. You know, this is Iranian. And then um when when shot when uh sergeant slaughter turned heel during the uh gulf war um the iron sheik this former world champion comes back as an iraqi named colonel mustafa which is just so dumb i mean in no other way other than the uniform he wore it was everybody knew who he was and then um yeah i mean he kind of wavered in and out those were kind of the big heydays but we all know him as his like larger than life i don't know how much of it's actually him writing it but you the social media like force of personality that he developed. i wondered in the biography if those two guys that were sitting there i don't know if you remember the by a and e biography but there were two younger type guys that just said they were like friends or colleagues of the sheik i wondered mm-hmm. if they were the guys that actually ran his social media because i mean mm-hmm. they they weren't identified as sons and they weren't necessarily identified as fans so there were but I wondered if they were kind of like the kayfabe behind the scenes guys that actually um, it would be curious to know. But, you know, is it also interesting? You guys, I mean, he you know, he married 
fairly early and unlike many wrestling um marriages he he was with his wife the whole time i mean they they went through they went through some really hard times obviously but i mean she you know she was she's like i she's not someone you would expect i guess you'd say and i don't even know what you would expect but it wasn't when i saw her and i was just like gosh you know i mean he just seemed like his his uh his children were very complimentary of him. Like what a great dad. And, you know, I mean, just, it was cool. You know, the phrase jabroni is, uh, is, was coined by the rock really came from Iron Sheik. And I don't think anyone could have had more legitimate heat than the Iron Sheik. I mean, he was the textbook definition of how to generate heat no matter wherever he went. Absolutely. Well, and I always like to comment that wrestling is kind of like a bookmark for what's happening in our world. They play yeah. off of what's mm-hmm. actually happening in yeah. people's feelings and emotions to, you know, have it be separate from real life, but, you know, use it. And nobody did that better than him. He literally lived it. Yeah. And he basically came from the country that everybody hated and so he could lean into it and he was had thick enough skin and so stubborn. And it's like, Hey, what can you guys do to me? That wasn't already like maybe done to me back in my country. Like, like this is like, this is, I get paid to do this, to be yeah. myself yeah. and, and put, you know, rile you Americans up. But I mean, that is so important to the business. You can't mm-hmm. understate it enough. The dude is like definitely a pillar. Um, but also he almost ruined wrestling too when he <laughs> right. got busted with uh hacksaw Jim Duggan in the car with a bunch of woof. Yep, 1987. Right? So, <laughs> so that made headline news. People are like, Oh, well, I hope nobody finds out, but I guess it made like headline news across America. And I mean, imagine being like some guy, some young kid, I don't know, like a Steve Grobschmidt, but like st- down in Alabama, be like, Hey Mo! Can you believe this? Hacksaw and Iron Sheik were together. They're supposed to be enemies. Like, that probably rocked people's world. They probably had no fucking clue what kind of sense to make of that. To your point. Okay, so that happened in 1987. And then if, you know, as we segue into the Dark Side of the Ring Magnum TA episode, which has a lot of parallels in them in this regard – in 1986, when he had his crash, they had to sneak the bad guy wrestlers into the hospital oh, to protect right, yeah. Fabe. So it's crazy how you think about mm-hmm. just that, that the that's reality the, of wrestling was. That's it, what was fed real. the business. It that's did. what fed the business. That's like, that's like cutting the umbilical cord to the baby. If you, if you pull back the curtain and show like that these guys are all buddies and pre-internet pre-knowledge pre-documentary pre-anything you were buying a ticket for a show and to see to see to see your favorite guy kick the ever-living dog crap out of somebody and if you want to see it again you pay more and Mm -hmm. you You think of our modern sensibilities and it's like even you know even though i grew up and i I get kayfabe and all that and i'm part of a show named that even watching that Magnum TA thing, I'm like, my God, this guy they thought was going to die. Like he was in the hospital in the roughest of shape. 
and his colleagues had to sneak in to visit him and think mm-hmm. of how that had to be for them. I mean, they all got the business, but it was like, and, and luckily they figured out a way to be there, but it's like, imagine nowadays, any business where it's like, yeah, no, cause storyline wise, we're enemies. I'm, I'm not going to go check in <laughs> right. on them while they, while they might That's be like, dying. That'd be like CNN and Fox news going head to head with one of the report, but they're actually buddies or something like that. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Fucking Wolf Blitzer goes into the, I don't know any of these guys. I don't watch the news, but that's okay. <laughs> uh, or it's like, you know, you know I mean. like Gary watched game of Thrones. Like I didn't. So, but I mean, I just pick like mortal yeah. enemies in that show and exactly. something happened to one of the actors and they'd be like, no, I can't. Cause our characters fight. On yeah. the show. <laughs> but they Maybe didn't look at it. I mean, obviously wrestling didn't look at it that way. Re- wrestling. They like, they kept up the, the guys for a very long time that that's not how things were an iconic character um is gone now from wrestling and you know i i i think that in a lot of ways you know he was a classic guy of maybe didn't win a million championships maybe didn't win a million titles but he literally impacted the sport in a way that um that transcended him his character and he created a model for people to follow in terms of using nationalism to create um heat even people saying on the opposite side like the mick foley's of we're here in cincinnati ohio like it's almost the opposite of that right where they pulled in the city to make to generate positive energy and i think you know it's a it's sad uh and a 10 bell salute for our friend uh the iron Sheik. definitely yeah god rest his soul it really does make you think just about the trajectory of everything and we really do um the reason why we do bring up Magnum TA is because uh, kayfabe is a very big running theme in this show. And like Gary addressed, like what would wrestling be like today? And it really makes you think not to get too deep here or anything, but you got to like count your blessings day after day, because you're literally just a second away from literally your life being mm-hmm. one thing and being totally different in a matter of an instant. And that's what happened with Magnum TA. And if that's something that you saw already on Dark Side of the Ring, I believe it's the third episode or maybe the second episode second. of the season four. Second. And yep. um, I so I really, really enjoyed this episode yeah, because mm-hmm. I didn't know who Magnum TA was because mm-hmm. of what happened. And I've only heard his name. I've heard people talk about him. And it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm like super thankful that the boys over at Vice and um, Dark Side of the Ring focused on this story because you're right. It's so true. This dude had a need for speed, got into a catastrophic accident where he should have died, but he survived. So he was alive to tell his perspective of this story Mm -hmm. rather than other people speak forward and speculate. The dude is alive. And is just, he looks like a normal person that mm-hmm. maybe got like chopped up in a wood chipper on a farm and somewhere. <laughs> and like, that's why he's in a wheelchair. No, this dude was like larger than life, should have been the equivalent, maybe more than Hulk Hogan, had the work ethic, had the body, had the looks, probably better looking than Hulk Hogan, I'd say. Maybe not so much right now, too. That was really interesting to me. <laughs> I couldn't get over it. He looked like Rick Rude, but like not as car salesman or male mm-hmm. prostitute-ish. Yeah. And um, 
he, it, it's it's a really great episode. So if you guys can settle down for a minute and uh, take that one in on your DVR, if you haven't already DVR Dark Side of the Ring, otherwise you can stream it on Hulu. I know we don't do free ads here on uh, Keep the Kayfabe, but I think it's really important you start following Dark Side of the Ring. We've done our wrap up, so go back and um, take up listening to some of our uh, takes on Dark Side of the Ring seasons two and three, I think, is when we started that. But mm-hmm. yep. this season is slated for a lot of great stuff. Like I said, I never saw T.A. wrestle, but did you guys ever see him wrestle live or on TV or TV? Tell me. TV. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, no, for sure. you haven't seen him live ever. Sadly, no. No, no. I think we, it would have been a little bit young for us, but... uh yeah, yeah, and it was it was hard. I mean, it just started coming on the superstation when we started, so that's how we would have seen it. Um, but I gotta tell you, you want to see storytelling at its finest, go back and research the research the the build up to the 1985 Starcade I quit match. Might oh. be one of abs I mean, it gives me chills the way they told the story of that match both leading up to it and in the ring like when he broke he literally breaks a wooden chair and and drives it almost kind of like what the guys are doing today with the with the um with the screwdriver he does the same thing to Tully's eye and mm. I mean to this day I I still when I watch that I get goosebumps like it is so boy it's just so emotional it was such an emotional feud and of all ironies um <laughs> so he was with Tully Blanchard in that after his accident the very last gim the last angle he ever did Tully punches him while he's you know to get some heat while after he had come back from his accident um and then Tully divorces his wife and Magnum TA ends up marrying Tully's wife and is the stepfather for Tessa Blanchard. Yeah. That's that crazy. An interesting um yeah, they have like one of, of these all-timer blood feuds and then it yeah. winds up being and not like anything lascivious was going on, but no, it just I so happens that's... that Blanchard's divorce and then yeah, he like who does she wind up with? Like his on-screen mortal enemy. His mortal enemy, just like what we were talking about. But yeah. like I think that's how I think that's how I got to know Magnum TA's name was through Tessa Blanchard. Yeah, actually, probably when she mm-hmm. was kind of bumping. I don't even know what she's up to nowadays but not really she's worried about tainted it. goods. Yeah. <laughs> so I do th- yeah, I do. I do think it, um, I mean, it was a great episode and boy, yes. I can't, I cannot reiterate enough what you said, Mike. I mean, I mean, Mike, you, you really hit it on the head. I, I love dark side of the ring. I don't care about the controversies. I love the fact that they're not afraid to go in deep on a topic and maybe they embellish some things, but what do you, it's storylines. I mean, like, what are you going to do? Like these guys are telling stories and they've told stories all their lives. And, but yet, you know, like this episode though, so different than others because um, it ended on a high note, which Mm -hmm. is different than a lot of the other ones. Didn't you think Steve? Oh yeah. I think, um, yeah, exactly. That's why I like about Dark Side. It's like sometimes when I'm trying to tell people that aren't big wrestling fans about the show, I try to be I'm like, okay, the name makes it sound like it's pure trash. 
but it's not it's a really well-researched show and they do i think try to find some positive ways mm-hmm. to end most of them they some of them haven't but no it was just really like, like almost this uplifting that this guy like this work ethic carried on after his injury and he yeah. made something of himself and it's like there's no real bitterness or anything mm-hmm. and no it's, yeah it's pretty amazing how positive he is he yeah he comes across and and even when you think about what his what his goals were he he said he's like i wanted to have a championship run and i wanted to give it give the title back to a 20 something and i wanted yeah. to go i wanted to go into nascar like he he was very realistic um but i get i got to bring this up i don't know i hope you guys caught it too but that story about buzz sawyer and buzz sawyer taking oh, his $10,000 yeah. like oh my gosh like can you imagine what would happen today if that had happened? And the fact that he flew basically from the East Coast all the way to the Pacific Northwest and knocked on the guy's yeah. door. Trained he didn't fly, he drove. Or drove. Yeah, right. You're right. I'm sorry. Yeah, he drove. Even crazier. Even crazier. Knocks on the guy's door. The next day he gets trained for what? Two hours, three yeah. hours or whatever he said. And then he's in a match. And it's like. And a you good know, one. Like, oh, and a good one. And also next thing you know, the guy's like, it's like, oh my gosh, I couldn't even imagine. Could Again, not. it's all of our decisions. And the fact that both of like his life-changing decisions came because of a car. Like if he didn't yeah. get into a car and drive where he drove, mm-hmm. which is kind of fucking crazy to drive from all from one coast to the other to, you know, get his money's worth. Uh, cause he was supposed to be trained by this dude. He paid him this money and then the dude dipped town and he's like, Hey, I'm here to do this. And it, and then he became this prodigy. Like it, it almost sounded like he was the modern day Kurt angle of his time, the way that he picked up shit. And then he had the total package of looks mm-hmm. and body and work ethic. So yeah. blessed there. And then the thing that took him down was a car again. So mm-hmm. he's on top of the world learned all he learned had all the experiences and then it all went away because he said he he bought this Porsche he wanted to go fast I think he hit maybe some some water and it skidded and basically t-bone I think it like sawed he was going so fast it sawed the car in half without having anything sharp it was like a telephone pole so you know how telephone poles are rounded yeah he cracked my he, he knocked over the he saw the telephone pole and oh okay yeah and then the car but he the the car had to be completely jaws of life because Fucking they couldn't crazy. get him out because he couldn't he couldn't um he couldn't walk walk or feel his extremities at the time and then you yeah. see him like in that when he made his you know return of sorts to, to wrestling oh. and he's like walking you know with help but it's just I mean that in itself of itself was far more than they expected at the time and in that and that birthed one of you you and my favorite resurgent angles of the midnight rider yeah I, like I, I mean it was like that's how you know when when tully punched this you know uh this hurt um magnum ta on on tbs and then um Dusty came out with a bad, got quote unquote suspended, and then the Midnight Rider. Yeah, it all and, comes oh together. Gosh. And and I actually do remember some of that. Um, oh, I, I do too. Remember, I remember a lot of that. I, um, you and I also enjoyed um, the Horseman a lot. Um, oh yeah. And so that it was a great angle. Um, it, it wasn't a new angle. He had used it quite a few times, but it was the first time we'd ever seen it because most of those angles were done off off TV. At, yeah. At, you know, 
So it's just it's such a fascinating character, and like you like we've been talking about this like crossroads in wrestling history because we'll never know what Magnum TH really would have become. They said in the show that he could have put WCW NWA on the map. Yeah. Maybe, or they would have mismanaged it, but he could have gone to WWF he and been like a huge counter to like Hogan or, or maybe Vince would have moved on from Hogan sooner. You never know, but you, I, the dude, don't. he had it all. I mean, I w- I'm not going to about to compare him to Kurt Angle because I think Kurt Angle is a special kind of athlete, mm. but that story with Buzz Sawyer where he gets like this tiny bit of training and then goes out and has a pretty good match. That's, that's a natural right there. And that's probably yeah. something that he could have built a career off of like, you know, a long, like more than just a pretty face, like actually like a legit worker. Yeah. He, got tra- he was, I mean, he he got trained by and learned in Florida, which was huge. Was was buddied up with Dusty Rhodes, Dusty, really learned yep. storytelling, and um, I just thought it was really cool to see Jake the Snake Roberts kind of jump in because, for whatever it's worth, about Jake's personal life, um, Jake is a great great worker. Jake also had great characters and told great stories in the ring, and um, I just you know it was a really cool episode and. Um, yeah, I just ur- urge a lot of people to to tune in and watch that if you haven't. And so then I, I really cannot, if you are a wrestling fan, wrestling, wrestling fan, uh, you got to go back into the archives into 1985 and try to get as much run up as you can to the Tully Blanch. I mean, you can watch on Peacock probably the world championship wrestlings that lead up to in 1985. But that 1985 I Quit match may be one of the greatest matches of all time. It's got to be up there. It would be up on my Mount Same Rushmore here. greatest matches. Awesome. Yeah. So set your DVRs, folks. Dark Side of the Ring. It's not just a wrestling show. It's just damn good TV. I personally just love sports documentaries in general. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm all about the last dance, the Tom Brady thing, the Derek Jeters, the thirties for thirties, any sports doc is great. Mm-hmm. But when this show was created and the way that they do it, I mean, I was happier than a pig and shit. Cause I'm such a big wrestling fan and it's so well done. And they keep coming up with these deep dives on people that have no mm-hmm. clue about it is good stuff, folks. So tune in to Dark Side of the Ring on Vice. And Mike, I think, you know, we talked a little bit. Maybe next week we're going to highlight a couple of the characters that are coming up. Hell yeah. That's the bottom line. Can't wait. And something else I can't wait for is Forbidden Door and Collision coming up. Mm. Uh, there's been a really great buildup that just happened last night on AEW Dynamite happening every Wednesday night. Now that hockey's not on. I am fully locked in and it has my attention. So shout out Vegas Golden Knights. Congrats. You're a fucking wagon. Good job. Oh my gosh. Anyway, so great. it was really fun to watch. I have to admit, I'm not a hockey fan, but the, the, the those last couple games were just this, some of the saves and goals. I mean, just, I don't know. I, if people, people probably don't give enough appreciation for <laughs> professional athletes sometimes, but the NBA championship and the NHL championships kind of run simultaneously. Boy, it was a really fun time to be a sports fan for me. I thought for sure. And I mean, not to go off on a huge hockey tangent, but these guys are legit warriors. One of the best players on the team for uh, the 
Florida Panthers, Matthew Kachuk was playing with a broken sternum and he gets three overtime goals to, you know, have his team go on. The Florida Panthers shouldn't even been in the playoffs because the uh, Pittsburgh Penguins lost. They lost to two of the shittiest teams trying to tank for a generational player named Connor Bedard. Chicago (laughs) Blackhawks will get him number one in the draft. He's basically like Connor McDavid. So that's very exciting. So the team shouldn't even been in the playoffs, yet they make the Stanley Cup finals and fucking battle all the way to this big bruising mm-hmm. team. And then an, another number one overall draft pick, Aaron Ekblad, playing on a broken foot and two dislocated shoulders. I mean, we're talking about turf toe in the NBA. And these guys are sitting out a couple games. These guys are playing no with legitimate ruptured spleens, bleeding kidneys, rup- fractured ribs. Like, it's crazy. Just yeah. to get the greatest cup in sports or greatest trophy in sports. Excuse me. A lot, a lot of the same things happen with the heat as well. Right. I mean, like they shouldn't have been there and the mm-hmm. way they battled. I mean, I don't care what anybody says. It was, I get it. There's no second place. That's any good, but I gotta be honest. I would love to be a heat fan for what they did. I, I, I've said this before and I'll say it again, you know, like their, the effort they showed, I mean, that's what it's all about, but you know, segueing that into what we're seeing in AEW right now, I think despite injury, despite whether they're the top guy or not, I think that AEW, and I guess I I guess I'll start by saying I feel like there has been a resurgence of the product that's likened back to what attracted me to the product when it first came out, which is this hard-hitting, chaotic, you know, almost homage throwback to the 1980s mid-south nwa southern wrestling which is you never know what's going to happen at any time and i feel like this last episode of AEW was like it was like yes they're back almost like they're back and and i just absolutely loved the episode um and was really happy to see kind of what some of the stories that are gonna that are starting to progress sure when your uh, show leads off with Adam Cole and MJF, they get 20 minutes or 30 minutes, actually. 30 I plus, know that I for think, a fact yeah. because yeah. the match ended in a draw. So they gave us a really great first run of actual in-ring action between these mm-hmm. two bona fide superstars. And then they they will be giving us more because there was no winner. They're going to draw it out, I got to believe. Uh, but oh, then yeah. also... Um, and and There's good for been... them in the way they book that because most wrestling fans know that when you hear Justin Roberts say one minute left in the match, you know where it's coming, right? And they were dead silent. And when it happened, I I marked out. I was like, dang, like I it wasn't even re- I wasn't even thinking that. They time. and like I said when we were talking about it, they did one time in one the middle time. of the match. You're right. You brought real it up quietly, and, then, yeah, and he like almost quiet. mumbled it. He's like. I forget. Let's just say it was you know, 10 minutes remaining. Like, and that put it in the back of my mind. It's like, they don't usually say that, but they did it. And again, that's why I think it was whoever produced that, like knocked it out of the park because it's like, like Yuri just said, if they had said one minute remaining, you'd be like, okay, it's obvious where they're headed, but no, they seeded it like in the back of your mind minutes before that and then left it. And that way, I mean, honest to God, I think that was probably one of the best time limit draws I've seen because you forgot about it. And then it's like, he's got him. He's totally going to beat him. Bell rings at the two count. I mean, perfect. Yeah. Really well done. 
Absolutely. And those guys really brought it. So it was great to see Adam Cole in good form against mm-hmm. MGF. Yeah, he looked good. Greater form. I mean, the guy just keeps getting better and better. He's really earning that belt around his waist, really uh, hauling the mail, as they say, for the company. Mm-hmm. So really excited about that. There was a major um, uh, match announcement for Forbidden Door that actually perked my ears up. It was Jungle Boy going up against that guy from New Japan where he actually will get uh, a title uh, chance. Um, and, I mean, you got to remember, Jungle Boy is an original roster member. And I think the reason, like, they were tag champions, yeah. But now that he's solo, like, this is pretty big for him. And they kind of keep giving him an opportunity, but they take it away. Like, the carrot's right in front of him. He's working, working. But I think because he looks so youthful, like, maybe there's a misconception that, People were like, yeah, I'm okay with him not not getting a championship. I'm not okay with it. If they're giving Orange Cassidy a championship for this long, Jungle Boy is beloved by the company and the fans, and he's like a very original character. Do you think he's going to win gold against this New Japan guy? Because I don't even know his name, this New Japan I, guy. I, I, so, I, therefore, I, I'm I'm really cheering for Jungle Boy here. I, am, I don't know a lot about him, but... I am going to, this is my official prediction. I think Jungle Boy is going to lose, and then that's going to further push him down the dark path because they've been hinting for a long time that he's getting frustrated. He's had those moments where he's like been tempted to cheat, and sometimes he did, sometimes he didn't. And I just feel like this is just a long tease. He's going to lose. He's going to get frustrated, and he's probably going to turn on Hook at some point. Well, that's the thing that I thought maybe he would wingle because Hook doesn't lose. And so they want to make him look bad. So how are they going to do this here? It's going to be interesting. You know, that's okay, this is very nice. When I when I get these like moments of like what I think is going to happen in AW, 99% of the time I'm dead wrong and I feel stupid. <laughs> but I thought of this the other day. That's why we have a show. That's why that's we right. that's right. a podcast so we can and get you know our what? feelings out. Act stupid so people can hear us be stupid. If I'm 40% right, uh, that's only probably about 10% lower than Dave Meltzer. So, um, yeah. But anyway, I thought what would be a super cool inventive thing to do is he's teaming with Hook, right? And he's, you know, we're thinking some of us are thinking he's going to heel turn. What fucking better thing to do would be for him to turn on Hook in a tag match, cost Hook his undefeated streak in a tag match. Cause they've established that in AEW all along with Jade and everybody that tag matches count towards your, your, your perfection. Like I would just love to see jungle boy cost him his perfection by turning on him. I think that's, man, I, 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 th- that's what they what need to do. Building to I, that's, I'm hoping first jungle boy. That would be and, pretty good. And like I said, I'm usually wrong, but if, if that's what they do, you heard it here, folks. <laughs> but they're not tagging, right? Hook's they just kind of helping them Jungle out. Jungle Hook has been, they're kind of, they've been tagging. Yeah. Well, yeah, they kind of made a Japanese dude's partner then. Well, no, 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 no. They're not, ta- I guess what I'm saying is I don't think the turn's going to happen at Forbidden Door. I think he's going to lose the, not Forbidden Door um, this weekend. Yeah, Forbidden Door. Never mind. Uh, I think Hook's, sorry, I think Jungle Boy's going to lose the match. And then that's going to further his, his, his unhappiness and angst. And he's going to turn at a time soon after that on Hook in a tag match. Okay. That's my prediction. Well, we don't need to spend too much time on it, but that but one you heard did it here. hurt my. 
I, I'm I'm excited because I I want I want to see Jungle Boy finally get a title. I'm rooting for the guy. He's always been one of my faves. He's like, great. If it was like when we start playing that video game, Steve, that you've yeah. downloaded, Fight Forever. He would be the first guy that I hit the A button on to select to play in Fight Forever. I know we don't do free ads here on the show, but we're gonna. Oh, put that I will over be. Get, I have it. It's downloaded on my Xbox the 29th or whenever when it when it unlocks. I will be playing it and. I mean, you, so you'd use Jungle Boy. I, I think I'm going to uh, up that, and probably my first wrestler I'm going to use is uh, Pretty Peter Avalon. Oh, is he Excellent. on? Excellent. I don't know, but if he's on, I'll, I'll make sure to use him. Oh, he's got to be on. Oh, the career mode will be great with him. Yeah. For sure. I'm going to well, make him a world champion. We can create a star. Cre- we can yeah. create a star, too, if he's not. He, yeah. he'll, You probably got to you know, have a 100-0 and record to unlock Pretty Peter and keep it PPA all day, baby. Woo! Woo. All right. Another big spot last night was the main event, I'd say, right? Blackpool Combat Club versus the Elite. It was oh, yeah. Hangman Adam Page and the Young Bucks who were dressed up like some lovable cowboys. Uh, pretty awesome. That was hilarious. Those guys crack me up. Just how, like, they don't care. They do not care. Nope. And they put it on TV, which makes it ever, like, just better. I really look up to those guys. Not look up to them, but I admire them, I'd say. Definitely. But it was a pretty great match. And then, like you were referring to earlier, um, Gary, about all these run-ins, it was kind of reminiscent to WCW because that was the one thing that kind of got me down during the NWO era. It's like you couldn't watch a match without somebody running in and somebody disqualifying it. It kind of like bugged me a little bit. But now that wrestling's kind of got away from from that, which... I think was great to put a pause on it because now they reestablish when people do run in at mm-hmm. the end. We saw Will Ospreay. We saw Kenny Omega. We saw Don Callis's new protege. What's his name? Um, Japanese dude. Takeshita. Takeshita. Yeah. Yep. And I'm really bad with the Japanese stuff. Eddie Kingston returned. Yeah. And Eddie Kingston finally That was back. great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it was just like these huge brood of bruisers uh, from the company, foreign and domestic, putting on a great show for the main event. Was this one of the most electrifying half hours in AEW in a long time, would you say, fellas? I'm, I agree. I, yeah. Totally. Um, I, I was a little, you know, I, I was a little disappointed in the way Bleacher Report kind of uh, assessed the card. I mean, uh, reading even just the last little bit from that match, they said, you know, uh, so much happened before even the main event that, you know, they felt like it was just random booking. And then it's, you know, if you throw too much into one segment, you don't let it breathe. But yet in the same token, like you only get two hours of TV. You can see what they were doing with the Blackpool Comic Club and then with the Young Bucks and Hangman and how that's kind of percolating. Then when Eddie Kingston came out, I mean, it, it threw a ton of things in. They were dealing with ROH title. While at the same token, there was that th- another curveball thrown in with Moxley that makes you wonder, like, well, what direction is that going? And then all the stuff with Osprey that came after. I mean, and Takeshita, I mean, like, I don't care that it was. I'm sorry. I don't care that it was chaotic. I don't care that it was quick. It made me want to watch and learn more it's made me want to tune into rampage it's made me want to watch collision because i just want i want more of that i want to see where those things are going to go and i think people lose sight of the benefit of a show doing that for you well and people fucking paid money 
to be entertained in that building. Yeah. I think a lot of times oh, these yeah. online people kind of forget about the actual people that spend their hard-earned money to go sit Those? and oh. and and buy, and buy the tickets, buy the pay the prices of the parking, pay the prices of the t-shirts, pay the prices of the fucking concessions that mm-hmm. suck. Pay the prices to be next to two obese Amen. people ringside and like Make it fun, please, because WWE has kind of taken that away from the paying spectator because they do try to put it all for TV and be overproduced. But really, there wasn't the TV. Wrestling wasn't TV. It's an act. You go to participate in person. So WWE has kind of sucked that out of Mm -hmm. business and gotten away from that route because it's got the carnivalistic uh, roots where like if you even at Crusher Fest where our table was located we could see inside the tent but we wouldn't mm-hmm. get a good s- seat so if you want to see it the show up close good be a part of it have your voice heard when you want to yell at the heel you got to pay 10 bucks to go inside that tent yeah so if you want to get inside that building you got to pay whatever it costs now mm-hmm. so Make it fun, please. And that's what AEW is actually doing. So fuck Bleacher Report. Yeah, well, I mean, you you bring up a great point. I mean, I, I have been to a Raw within the last year, and I've been to AEW shows. And I would tell you that after my Raw experience, I will never go again just because of how long and drawn on it is. And last night, even just feeding off the crowd for that whole two hours, they had to be like, this is one of the best shows they've ever seen. I mean, I, I I'm sorry. I, I just felt like regardless of what anyone says, I mean, that's, they brought back the life that AEW needs heading into some really important summer months. Big time. They know hockey's uh, done. They got to bring they, the noise, baby. I'm just kidding. Um, No, I think it's, it's all true. And I, um, it's such an odd thing to me. Like some of the things that, quote unquote pundits bitch about it's like the show was too exciting like what a weird thing to be pissed about or yeah. the you know pro wrestling.net i sometimes read and it's like i swear every week he's bitching that some match wasn't a squash and they let the other they let the losing guy like look too good and it's like okay that's not a thing anymore it's like and is that really what you want like who gets ahead like I don't know. It's I think it's just such a, like they're stuck in a rut of like what like a certain way it was done in the past. And it's like you can have, you know, like Miro is going to come back I and mean, maybe he's going to squash somebody, but maybe the other guy is going to get some offense. It's I bet you Miro is still going to come out looking like a beast afterwards, even if it's a five minute match instead of a one minute match. So stop, stop overthinking this shit. And in the homage, homage a bit to the back into, you know, old school wrestling, like when their builds were for these iconic pay-per-views, right? And remembering back that the NWA used to only run three or four pay-per-views a year. And, you know, and so when you have these big events that a company's working towards, as opposed to these monthly ones, which appear to be just like, you know, shows and, and it's all, it's all part of their formula. It's great for, for that audience, but for, Someone like me, I mean, like that show last night, I could not help but think like I have to pay for I'm going to buy Hidden Door. I'm going to buy um, you know, all in. I can't wait for the next pay-per-view. That's where for me show, that show is so important. 
because the daily the weekly shows and the other stuff yeah for 4.99 i can watch the pay-per-view on peacock and which by the way if you now don't have peacock premium you don't get to see the segments before which is really bizarre so you only get to go match to match to match and have commercials in between uh but you know i last night's show pinnacle for me in terms of this is what a company needs to do to draw you in to buy their product well and that could be the downside or maybe even the downfall of wrestling a little bit was the creation of the wwe network as awesome as it was for the archive but for the pay-per-views only being ten dollars a month they maybe the 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 company itself was like hey it's gonna suck. I mean, people aren't paying fifty dollars. We just got to give them ten dollars worth of a show, and they did it for so long, mm-hmm. and we got so. Um, I wouldn't say gaslit is the word, but I mean, um, conditioned to be okay yeah. with it. It's kind of like yeah. accepting that Nickelback was the greatest rock band for a while. Like, if that's what we have to work with, we just have to accept it. Or like, you know, to bring it even closer to home in Wisconsin here, Gary, I know you're from Ohio, but you grew up with Green Bay Packers sports. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, mean, I am. I mean, pa- Brett, I am the Packers. I bleed green and gold, baby. So, so Brett Favre, he was the fucking man. Aaron Rodgers, he was the fucking man. Kind of like eight, uh, WWE, WWF was the fucking best for a while, but towards the tail end of the career, you still love it. But it wasn't that great. Yeah. And they weren't really doing anything that was that great. But they were still making a lot of money. But who was suffering? The people that fucking love them. People mm-hmm. like us. So, honestly, the $10 uh, subscription kind of made pay-per-views kind of blasé. Well, when you think uh, about it, you think about it, like, it's just another streaming show. It's not even, like, a, an event. It's not like, special. And right. Gary was trying to say, like... They're building something here. They're marketing something yeah. to make it special. And that's what's fun. It creates an emotion yeah. in you. And that's what wrestling should do, yeah? It it, it it 100%. And that's where, I mean, it's like, it's it just is such a different product at this point. And it's, it's evolving into such a product. And I just, I'm just going to be curious. Um, my hope, my fear is that they're going to try to do too much between dynamite rampage and collision, and then try to throw in stuff with the ROH. I pray that Tony Khan is smart enough to surround himself with some other bookers who can actually create stories. I know they have agents who help the guys with matches, but how does it, I, I mean, the guy's probably running on whatever fumes he's running on to get from thing to thing. I just, I hope because we've seen this historically when a book, when bookers become too isolated, um, AKA dusty roads at one point and it destroyed the product. And I just hope he will surround himself. It sounds like people like Brian Danielson specifically, I've seen many articles and that one interview that we talked about a couple of weeks ago on the podcast appears like he's leaning on people like that a lot more, which mm-hmm. is brilliant. Because those are well, the guys that I would listen to. Yes. And I was going to bring that up, too. I love how they're kind of really protecting Danielson from any sort of in-ring injury right now mm-hmm. because the Blackpool Combat Club is doing all the dirty work, all the dangerous stuff. Brian Danielson is on the sidelines because, A, he's, he's almost a manager. That, right. Yeah. Well, and, w- w- dude, 
they've been bit with the injury bug in AEW. They like we're not we're getting a gift from freaking wrestling guys right now of Okada and Danielson. No you want to fucking risk a maybe a broken foot or a weird right no going doubt. off a like doing a stupid match. Bubble like, wrap. They are protecting him at all costs. Yes, which is that's they smart. Because be look what happened. Like, I, I don't. I don't remember the details, but I remember. Yeah, exactly. But um, I don't remember the details anymore because it was a year ago. But I do remember that Forbidden Door last year had the injury bug and like really Mm -hmm. messed Mm -hmm. up clearly their plans. And it's like, yeah, slow down. You got the roster. Slow down. And yet it was a really fun show because Mm -hmm. the the pay-per-view you really didn't know where it was going to go because you were seeing these wrestlers that you hear about and know that they're really talented. And this one is building better, a little bit better stories, but to sit to the same token, it, it almost doesn't matter. Like this is kind of one of those events that occurs and you're just kind of like, it's kind of like, I don't know. I feel like at the all-star game to some extent, like this is like, but with actual meaning to it, you know, right. Like these and it's so cool to see this blending and overlapping of all of these different genres and styles. And um, it just is really cool. It, it really does remind you. I hate to say it again, but it totally reminds you of old school days when guys used to go over to Japan. Those guys came over and, you know, it just well, it's really cool. And it takes it takes guts to do this, what he's doing. Agreed. And it takes a lot of money, which also takes a lot of guts to gamble with a lot of money like yep. this. And um, but sixty six thousand people are ready to fill Wembley, and no one word up, not even. So, a, I'm telling you, they're they'll be they'll be sold out. Yeah, and that's why you got to protect your assets. So if you trot, you know, uh, Brian Cage out there looking like Animal or Hawk now to fill some time on Dynamite when you can when you don't have to do that with Danielson yeah. to fill some time. Which, by the way, that's the smart play. Which, by the way, that was. I, I wrote this down. The the Mola Embassy and Prince Nana are very underrated. I think they mm-hmm. are really great wrestlers. And and again, another piece that we probably are that we've talked about, but it we can't dismiss the presence of not only Brian Danielson, but Chris Jericho, Sting, Jeff Jarrett, those Jay Lethal, those guys are in the back every day. Billy Gunn teaching those guys that is missing in the wwe right now which is well and guys like dean malenko are back there yeah yes you got uh, dustin uh dustin did you mention that no i Um, didn't but he's another great one exactly uh i mean fuck i mean you can say arn's probably got some things to say back there you got got jr back hopefully they have a chair for him but like how how cool i i i know i've said this also before but i if you're Brian Cage and you just got the Sting's finisher put on you, how cool has that got to be? Like to think about like you're in the ring with this icon, he puts his finisher on you. Like he had to be like a like a kid in a candy store. Oh, sure. Well, and just to bring it up one more time, it's nice that you brought up Sting. This was going through my mind. Did um Brian Cage wear face paint at Double or Nothing? I don't think so. Okay, so so this is the first time that this guy's wearing face paint, right? A little bit of an homage to the Road Warriors. Okay. Which was interesting. There was a couple of them, and I was trying to think if there was some significance. I don't know. And I'm totally okay. I Like, now I'm interested. I was like, okay, this maybe just 
all Brian Cage really needs maybe is a little face paint to remind us of people that we were obsessed with, the Road Warriors, Hawk and Animal. Yeah. And they basically put Hawk and Animal into one person, and it's Brian Cage. And <laughs> yeah. when you do, and when you do face paint, you can't take it back off. So it's a big decision. So like Sting, when he was the blonde-haired uh, Sting. The face paint was so a part of him. And then when he turned to look like the crow, I mean, it's a commitment. You're doing that all the time. Like Darby Allen, you are doing face paint all the time. Because if you go from face paint, you can't go back to non-face paint. So the fact that they put it on Brian Cage, they're putting some thought into him. We'll see how far it goes. You know, this could either bring him down or bring him up real quick. There were a lot of really cool, I, I felt like, Everybody was on, yeah, this la- yesterday on the show, um, on this last Wednesday show. I felt like they just kept feeding off the energy. And you know what? Kudos to probably two ring leaders right now, Adam Cole and MJF, for for setting the tone right away. I mean, because it truly, if that energy just kept feeding throughout the show, and and. I, I I disagree with all the pundits right now. And I think that they did a brilliant job last night and it, it makes me want, want more. Fuck. Yeah. And collisions coming up, set your DVRs for that. We got forbidden door and, um, you know, close to 10 days here. Uh, no less than 10 days, but yeah, exciting time to be a wrestling fan. Set your DVR to vice watch forbidden door. It's going to be a fun summer folks you're going to get a big loving spoonful of some good, good wrestling. And before we go, speaking of that good, good, we got to get to the mailbag for a promo of the week. And it would only be appropriate if we uh, played an Iron Sheik oh, promo. Yes. It comes from our buddy Joe. He's down in Atlanta. He might be in Mexico. I don't know. He bounces around quite a bit. But uh, he submitted one from the Iron Sheik from Piper's Pit with Freddie Blassie. It's from March 24th. 1984 he's in full headgear mustaches black as night so this is vintage <laughs> cheeky right here baby rest in peace buddy let's take a listen to the iron sheik in piper's pit piper alone as well as his guests and not necessarily those of us here on championship wrestling on this station so with that in mind we take you now to piper's pit this week it's a pleasure to have not like last week, a couple of gentlemen we have here. We have, in my estimation, the world's heavyweight champion, the Iron Sheik himself, and one of the greatest managers ever in the history of wrestling, Ayatollah Freddie Blassie. Mr. Sheik, I want you to know what a pleasure it is and an honor for me to have you here on the pit. I know as world's champion, you're very busy. I would like to say that coming from Iran, I know your background. I know how in Iran they take care of the people, and you come to America. America and the American people don't have the respect for you that you deserve. They're spitting at you. They're being pigs to you. And I'm very sorry. I would like to make a public apology myself on their behalf to you and let you know that it is a true pleasure to have you here, sir. Thank you very much, Mr. Piper. I'm glad finally one gentleman like yourself tell the American who I am. Now, also in my pleasure to Ayatollah Blasi, be my manager, and I leave it to Mr. Blasi to he says something about you. Thank you. You know, Roddy Piper, the first time I met you, I knew there was something about you. You're all class, and I guarantee you, you're doing the job, you're qualified. Nobody's more qualified to be on this program than yours truly. You know, you're a real job. 
Thank you. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. Mr. Piper, I don't want you to think the Sheik and I are being rude by whispering in your presence, but the Sheik just informed me that you can go down and buy any car you want and send him the bill. <laughs> I want rules. <laughs> We'd love to make you happy. <laughs> I want Rolls Royce coming up. Thank you very much, Sheik. Bali Bali! Bali Bali! It's been a pleasure. Tough, tough individual right there. And, you know, we we talked about him a lot at the top of the show. This is a guy that lived the gimmick till the very end. And uh, so important to the business. And he will be remembered. And people will imitate him. They will mimic his style. Maybe not in the same sense, but they will gain inspiration from it to entertain millions of wrestling fans for years to come. So, Cheeky, you know, you're one of the best. You know, I there's guys like that that have these intangibles that um they're kind of hard to put words into. But I'm mm-hmm. thinking there's probably like some key attributes that the Iron Sheik epitomized yeah. that maybe mm-hmm. were like inspirational. That would be inspirational to other people, Mike. And I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if you if if you know where I'm going with this. But uh, what do you think? I'm I'm still new. I I I don't know where I don't know where you're going. I'm t- I'm still too new on this podcast. I'm not sure. Help educate. Oh, God. Well. I mean, I can only think because you have to be a lot of things to be the Iron Sheik. Mm-hmm. His skin was tight to his body, so you know he was definitely hard. Uh, I mean, Iran, I don't know what the conditions were over there. The guy was probably hungry. He was probably starving. Uh, but the one thing that he was not, he wasn't humble. He, he oozed confidence. But he humbled people. He exactly. Did. So put flip that in reverse, and you just do these three things, all right? You stay humble. You stay hungry and you stay hard. Triple H.